Welcome to the Entry Level Entrepreneur Podcast with your host and biz bestie, Emily Kuhn. Each week, you'll learn the strategies and actionable steps you need for success. So let's get started. This episode of the Entry Level Entrepreneur Podcast is brought to you by the Entry Level Entrepreneur Workshop Series. If you don't have time for courses or group programs and just want to learn concepts and apply them to your business so you can grow your community and your cash, then the Entry-Level Entrepreneur Workshops are perfect for you. When you purchase a workshop, you also receive accountability and support after the workshop ends. From Business 101 to learning how to use Canva or creating quizzes, there's a workshop that can help any new or scaling entrepreneur. Visit emilycoon.com backslash workshops to learn more. And don't forget, VIPs receive 10% off each workshop they purchase. Text VIP to 410-914-1278 to become a VIP today. And now, on to our show. I am so excited to talk to today's guest. Oh my gosh. Sandy has been one of my coaches before and has like helped me immensely. She has seen me when I'm in like a really good growth mode. And then also seen me when I'm in like self-doubt and, oh my God, I've messed up and boundaries and ah. So I certainly appreciate Sandy and what she offers and, and how she supports women. And so I am super excited to introduce you to today's guest, Sandy Vo. She's a spiritual teacher that mentors leaders who are ready to embody their highest expression. She's also co-CEO of Ladies Align Media. So I am super excited to have Sandy here. Sandy, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me and congratulations on your podcast. I'm so happy for the world to learn from you and all the amazing juicy things that you have to offer. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. Okay. So I first want to start out with asking you about your entrepreneurial journey and how you moved into helping others feel aligned to their higher purpose. Yeah. I think that the path that I chose really required me to have my own direct experience first and to actually find what my higher purpose was first. So for me, when I graduated or while I was in college, I was juggling three different jobs and I was doing a part-time internship, full-time college student. And I was just, my energy was so scattered. And I was in this space of what is my purpose? Who am I? There's got to be more to life than just this. What I was witnessing when I was doing the internships and, you know, we're sitting in small rooms and I enjoyed the internships that I chose. I actually worked for a company before it became Spotify and I was sourcing music and, and it was all great and everything, but I felt like there was so much more to this than just sitting behind the computer screen and working on my own. And eventually I, it was the junior year for me, I had decided to start my own business because my path had led me there. I was doing a lot in the online space at that time and Instagram was brand new. And I had started this account where it was completely anonymous and I was sharing my wellness journey and I attracted more people to 
my words and the things that I was sharing because I was being super transparent and more and more and more people started reaching out to me from all over the world for support and coaching. So I had decided to start my own coaching practice online. And at that time, I viewed myself as a transformational coach. That very same summer, I had written a book. I had started that coaching practice. I started taking on a few clients and I was also competing for my very first bodybuilding competition. And these were all things that I thought like, this is my purpose. This is what I'm here to do. This is what is going to make me happy. And what most people didn't know is that I was struggling with depression on the back end. And a lot of what I was writing was really for me to heal myself. And it was really the reason why I started that Instagram account to begin with. So everything started to grow. My Instagram account started to grow tremendously at that time. And I was at the peak of what I would call outer success. And I was also at the peak of inner depression. And it was a really interesting space to be in because everyone thinks that you've got it all figured out. And, you know, I'm this high achieving, high performing woman. And like, I can, I can be a part of leading all these, these mentorship groups in the college that I was in. So I was on different boards of organizations while doing these internships and doing all these things. I think from the outside looking in, I looked like a badass. I looked like I've got it all figured out, but I was doing all of those things as a mechanism to keep myself busy because I didn't want to give myself the space or the silence to even hear my own thoughts or feel my feelings or into whatever it was that I was experiencing, the emotions that I was experiencing. So it wasn't until that summer when I eventually came to a halting crash where I had completely burned out. I had no energy left in me. I went nights without sleeping. And eventually I, at that point, was just in a very unhealthy state. And I thought that, you know, wow, like I have this fit body now. Like I completed in my very first fitness competition. I started my online business. I wrote this book. I put it out there. I did all these things. I'm at the epitome of success and I'm 20 years old. Why am I still not happy? And I started to feel like there's something so wrong with me. And that path eventually led me to think, well, is the only way out to leave, to take my own life, to walk away from from this world? because it just feels so empty and lonely right now in such a in such a strange way and then that path eventually led me to an ayurvedic practitioner who led me to my meditation teacher so it was that summer that i had found my meditation teacher or i would say that somehow he found me or you know they say that when the student is ready the teacher appears and that's exactly what happened so i sat in my very first meditation experience and it was one of those meditation experiences that it wasn't cookie cutter it wasn't like something that i've ever experienced from going into a yoga class it was so deep and the peace that i felt was so profound if I could describe what it felt like, it was that feeling as if you're just born and you're inside of your mother's womb and you feel so safe and you're just like dancing and kicking and flowing around and you've got no worries. You don't have to think about how to survive because the environment that you're in is supporting you. And that's exactly how I felt in that moment, that deep sense of peace. And that was the first glimpse that I had that 
told me what my higher purpose was. And I knew that it was to teach meditation and be a student of yoga science and, you know, teach more people about the mind, body, and spirit integration. So it's exactly how I found my path and it's what I live and it's what I embody now. And everything that I have in my online practice is an embodiment of my spiritual practices. And I want every single person to know that they get to have that too. They get to feel that deep sense of profound peace and that intimacy with themselves and their relationships and to still have outer success in the world. And they don't have to sacrifice that and burn out in the process. That's such an interesting journey that you took. And I'm so personally, selfishly, I am so happy that you took that path because then our paths crossed Mm -hmm. versus what would have been an alternative, whether that would have been just miserable in a wellness practice or not of this earth. So I'm particularly thankful that you reflected and asked those questions and found your practice. You actually, as you were going through it, Three questions came up for me, and I think I think people struggle with this. The first thing that came up as you were talking was, I wrote it down as like, feel the feels, like feel your feelings. And I think when people hear that, they're like, well, haven't I been feeling my feelings? Like I acknowledge that it feels bad. Isn't that what feeling the feeling is? So can you provide a little more insight? Because I think people struggle with that. Yeah, you're so spot on. And I know I sure did for a long time. So part of being able to feel your feelings is there's a route to it. There's a whole journey that you go on to feel what our feels. It's not like we have the feeling and then we feel it and we're aware of it and then it just disappears. There's this nurturing stage that has to get involved. So When, for example, you are recognizing that you're feeling very angry or upset about something and you take that energy and you just put it into your work without feeling what was coming up, that energy is then going to go out into every little thing that you do. But when you actually acknowledge what you're feeling and you embrace it and you actually sit in it long enough to understand where it comes from, to contemplate it a little bit more, to ask yourself questions like, where where do you think this comes from? And what are you noticing in your body right now? Why do you think this, whatever happened, why do you think it triggered you so much? And then when you actually sit in it a little bit longer beyond just the acknowledgement of the feeling, then the feeling, the emotion will actually give you signals. It'll give you feedback. It'll tell you what, where it comes from and what it's experiencing. And that feedback that we get from our bodies is going to give us information so that we can make different decisions in our lives. The life that we live And the epitome of the success that we're going to experience or the embodiment of our highest expression is all based on the decisions that we're making on a day-to-day basis. So if you can use your feelings as a way to nurture them and then as a way to give you direction in your life, then you're going to be making decisions based on a more pure and grounded and deeply rooted space than making decisions from a place of you know, anger, anger, or sadness, or even like sometimes when people are way too, 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 too excited about something, even that gives, gets us off on, on a wrong path. So 
when you can allow yourself to nurture some of the experiences that are coming up for you and to sit in it long enough to understand it. When you meet your feelings with understanding, most times that feeling becomes alchemized and transformed into something completely different. So that anger that you once then felt has probably become self-compassion for yourself. So that's the value of sitting in your feelings a little bit longer. Your emotions are energy in motion, and there's a lot of intelligence in your emotions. And so when you allow those feelings to surface for you and come through, whether it's through crying, which is a form of cleansing your, your spirit and your energy body, or whether it's through you know, pounding something on the ground and releasing out all that energy that is allowing that emotion, that energy to move and do its job, move through your body and flow so that now you're experiencing a state of what I call resonance with the world. It's, it's that state of union, which is what yoga stands for. It's feeling like you are in harmony within yourself and what is around you. But when we are in dissonance, when we are Choosing to take actions from a place of feelings like anger, where that's a little bit more of a lower vibration or fear, then the decisions that we're going to make are going to lead us to the same results of feeling that same feeling again. So it's like, it's better off to just sit in it for a moment and allow yourself to feel it, give yourself as much space as you need to for that emotion and that feeling to give you direction. Obviously we don't want you to stay there, but once you do that, then you can get out of it and your experience is going to be transformed. You're not going to have to deal with the same thing again and again and again. But when we suppress our feelings and we suppress our emotions and we think that our ego is just really smart, it tries to be like, oh, you know, if you, if you suppress your emotions and you stay busy doing this, you stay busy working, you stay busy, you know, just taking on as many clients as you possibly can and juggling as many jobs as you possibly can, then you're, you're going to be fine. Like you're going to be safe, but ultimately that's what harms us the most. And that energy builds up over time. Okay. That was amazing. Thank you so much for that explanation, because I think it can be confusing for a lot of people. And I think part of it is this ignorance, but not in like the mean way of saying ignorance, but in this like purely like not understanding. And it, I really love how you went through that because I think that it was very helpful. I also want to ask, you know, I think that there are people out there who will say, you know, look, you've just got to grind it out, like make sacrifices in the short term, grind it out. How do you balance that with, you know, this, you know, channeling all of that energy, grinding in the short term for long-term benefits, but yet still allowing you to feel your feelings. Can you provide some thought around that, please? Yeah, I would love to. So I don't subscribe to the notion of grinding and hustling and you know, just grind it out. Just, just do it just for it. You want to be successful? Just do it. You want to be happy? Just be it. It's that simple, right? But it's not really that simple. And when we say things like that, and I know that that's part of mainstream, you know, mainstream coaching that we might experience when we say things or tell people, you know, just grind it out, force yourself to do it, push yourself, do what you should be doing, do what you're supposed to be doing. What we're ignoring is the deeper layers of, traumas that that person might have experienced, the deeper layers of unconditioned or unconscious conditionings or external programming is what I like to call it. So 
I'm going to break it down like this, especially for us women, right? Us women, we have we have the divine feminine energy and within every single one of us, there's the divine feminine energy and the divine masculine energy in India. We call it Ida and Pingala in Chinese. We call it yin and yang. This is part of our energetic bodies that is within each and every one of us, whether you are a man or whether you are a woman and with women, because we're females, we are born with an innate sense of being more in tune to that divine feminine energy. And the divine feminine energy is nurturing. She is cooling. She is passive. She is creative. She is intuitive. She is in tuned with all that is around her. She harmonizes. She declares. She doesn't chase. She an embodied energy. She is represented by the moon. That The feminine energy is represented by the moon. Now, if you can look at the majority of our society, we actually operate from our masculine energy, which is very assertive, which is ruled by the sun. The sun is fire. The sun is all about transformation. It's very fast. It's very go, go, go. It's very directive. And while we need both of those types of energies and we have them both within us, we are massively, massively, massively imbalanced as a society where us women have adopted the behaviors and the masculine energies instead. And the reason why we've done this is because through thousands and thousands of years, we've been living in a patriarchal world that tells us how things need to look that gives us a very linear path. So you go to school and then you graduate from school, you go to college, graduate from college, get a degree, get a job, and then, you know, get married, get a house. So that path is laid out for us. And the way that we pick that up is through the media. And every single movie that we watch, songs that we listen to, and what our parents tell us, right, in past generations. And so as women, if we want to get back in touch with our our own inner wisdom and that divine feminine energy, it truly requires us to unsubscribe from that old paradigm of grinding and hustling. Now, the biggest fear that people are going to have from listening to this right now is, well, what do you mean? How am I going to be successful if I don't grind or if I don't hustle or if I don't achieve, right? The achievement is very much the masculine energy as well. What I want you to know is that your energy is your number one priority. And this is something that we have never been taught. We've been taught that If we change our circumstances, that it's going to change how we feel on the inside, right? So if I want to be happy, then I need to go make more money. I need to sign up more clients. I need to, you know, get a, the best paying job and I need to get a raise and I need to have a bigger house and then I will be happy. It's the when and then syndrome is what I like to call it. Right. But the thing that is so off about that is that it's telling us that in order to change how we feel on the inside, we have to change our circumstances. But what happens when the circumstances are always going to change? They're always going to change. So we're going to be stuck inside of the cycle and this loop of racing against the clock, thinking that we need to chase all these things to be happy, only to not experience that on the inside. So the first thing that I would say is to first understand that there's so much conditioning around this that we must first need to look at and then unsubscribe from. So for me, 
I have walked that path. I have lived that life. I was actually in sales while I was teaching meditation and I felt like I was living two separate worlds. I was knocking doors and I became a top agent in the company as a woman, as a leader. And I felt really proud of myself. I was young, making really great money. I was like 21 years old and I thought that I was doing the thing, but then I realized that I was living in this very masculine energy on one hand. And then on the other hand, I was in my, you know, divine feminine energy teaching meditation. I'm like, why do I have to separate these two worlds? Why can't it just be one? And so eventually I grew the courage to turn my meditation teaching into an actual online practice where I could work with high performers who were the old me. And through doing that, I realized that it's fully possible to have success by prioritizing your energy because your energy is the very foundation that creates everything that you do. The money that comes into your account every single week is energy. In order for you to receive that physical form of money, you had to exert your actual energy to do the jobs, right? To see the clients, to have the sessions. And through that, you were able to come up with money. Money appears into your field to support you in all that you do. So as you can see right there, it's all energy. So if we can prioritize our energy and we can learn how to elevate our energies and we can learn how to re-engineer our minds that tell us that this is impossible, then what we experience as a reality is completely, it's profound. We experience this reality where we feel at peace, where the things that we desire actually comes to us because we're living in a space of, I declare that this is what I declare that this is what the embodiment of my success is going to look like. And that's exactly how it's going to be. And you start calling in not just any clients, but the clients that actually have the desire to do the work and to commit to the practice that are going to get really incredible transformational results and that feel aligned with who they are and who they're meant to be. So I would invite every single person that feels a challenge right now because the mainstream Maybe the mainstream way of coaching tells you, hey, if you want to be successful, you need to set up all these strategies, you need to grind and and all this stuff. I would invite you to unsubscribe to the notion of grinding and instead subscribe more to creating space for yourself to slow down. Slowing down is the speeding up. And the more you can slow down, the more you can actually listen to your own inner wisdom that will guide you along the way. Now, this isn't to say that it's not going to be hard, right? And it's not to say that you're not going to have periods where it feels like it's a grind. I think the biggest grind is in learning how to undo all of the, the conditioning that we have. And once you learn how to undo that as a grind, then what you experience in your life is just, it's greatness. It's, it's that infinite joy that we all have access to. Wow. That was amazing. Thank you so much for that. All right. So once you realized that you could blend these two worlds and make your meditation practice an online business, what is one challenge or one mistake that you made and a lesson you learned from that? There's two things that come up. One is that I wish I did it sooner, but of course, I think that it all happened the way that it was for a reason, but having a sense of self-belief and self-trust a lot sooner because I didn't really have that mirror to me. I 
when I looked inside of the world of meditation practitioners and spiritual teachers, there was no one I saw outside of me that was achieving a higher level of outer success where, you know, they have the family, they, they have the financial means to be free and support themselves. And if anything, most, most meditation teachers or yoga teachers or spiritual teachers, they talk about not having a lot of money. And that's really the conundrum that we get stuck in, especially if you're an artist as well. It's like you create your, your gifts and you put it out there in the world, but then you're stuck at a scarcity mindset and you're not able to make a lot of money. And so for me, it was to believe that I could actually merge those two worlds a lot sooner and realize that I could close the gap between having the outer success and being so deeply in tuned with my inner wisdom and my spirit. So that's number one. The second one would be that, so when I first started my meditation practice, I began to incorporate the things that I learned in meditation and I brought it into the online world. But what I started doing along the way was I started to doubt myself and I started to think that this wasn't it and that if I wanted to be successful, I need to go back to being an achiever and, and do all these things. So I spent about six months doing that being a higher achiever, like I would, I would stay up super late against my, my practices against the things that I would even teach other people, which to me feels out of integrity. And I would for six months, just like be so in this grind hustle mode. And during that time, I lost a ton of hair. I was also vegan at that time as well. And I just remember like so much of my hair shedding and being like, Whoa, like what is going on? My body is giving me signals and telling me how unhealthy this is. And I wasn't drinking a lot of water. And I just needed that six month period of having that direct experience to know that the path that I was on was the right path. And, you know, hiring other coaches taught me what not to do, if anything. And while some of it was incredibly helpful and I'm super honored and grateful that I had that experience, I had that experience without believing in myself along the way. So what I would challenge everyone to do is to cultivate more self-trust because that's so important. And that relationship that you have with yourself is going to be your, your guru. It is your, your guidance along the way. And that's what I tell all of my students. So that period was monumental for me though, because it taught me that what feels best for me is not to teach what I'm teaching, but to actually be a student of what I'm teaching first, to be a practitioner before I go and preach or before I go and post things on social media. And I embody so much of that in all that I do. And I've never gone back to that space of, you know, working against what my intuition was telling me to begin with. So I would challenge more people to spend time cultivating that deep sense of self-trust. Well, that's a good one because that's a tough one for a lot of folks, because I think sometimes we have to have those direct experiences. I mean, we can hear it from others, but sometimes it just doesn't click or hit home until we actually go through it. And it's like, oh yeah. Okay. So I I certainly appreciate that. Okay. So what are some of the you've worked with a bunch of entry-level entrepreneurs before in your coaching. What are a few issues that you see with newer entrepreneurs who are working and really struggling to build a business? 
Yeah, I think we touched base on this a little bit already, but the main issue that I see is that they're not prioritizing their energy. So they are prioritizing, I need systems, I need funnels, I need strategies, I need all these things in order to grow their business. But what they're not realizing, and it's it's obvious, but it's not obvious, right, is that they are the conduit for their business to exist. They are the very reason why their business exists. So you know, if we didn't have health, then we're not going to be able to show up and perform in our business and serve other people. And so sometimes what happens as it did to myself, like when we get into that world, we kind of forget about ourselves. We're just like, Oh, I need to make more money. I need to serve more people. And you have that servant mindset on. So you, you're kind of just thinking about that. And so you see coaches for the strategies and, and all of that, which is incredible, which can help you to some degree, but we can't do that without first honoring what our own energy is. And what that looks like is setting boundaries. This is something that I find is so challenging for entry-level entrepreneurs because they think that in order to have success, they need to give their all. Just like you said, like they need to grind and hustle it out. They need to say yes to every opportunity and every single person, even when it really means no on the inside. And even when they look at their calendar and the thing that they have an appointment for they're dreading and they're just wishing that a person would cancel the meeting because they don't actually care for it or they don't actually want to show up. If you're noticing that in your life right now, it's a very clear sign that you don't have clear boundaries. And part of protecting your energy and protecting your wholeness is setting the boundaries. This isn't a way to say that, you know, you are disconnecting from everybody else and that you're harsh. I think people think that right away is I don't want to be a harsh person. I feel guilty for setting boundaries, but what it really comes down to is a worthiness thing, right? Like when we set boundaries, we're communicating to the other person. We're also teaching them how to treat us at the same times. And we're saying, Hey, I respect my time. I respect my energy and unavailable for this at that time, or no, I'm not committed to doing that right now, but I would love to, if it's actually on your heart, I would love to support you in X, Y, Z, or even clients. Like not every client is meant for you. And if we want to say yes to every client, knowing that there's not an equal energy exchange, or maybe, you know, there's some inconsistencies there with who you think your soul clients are and who is coming in, but you're just saying yes, 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 yes to every person. You're not making room for the clients that actually are your soulmate clients to come in and work with you as well. And if you're just doing it for money, then you're prioritizing money over your own energy, which to me is is something that I learned the hard way is, is just never worthwhile because ultimately my energy is what creates the money to begin with. So I need to put that at the very top at all costs. So learning how to set boundaries, learning how to say no, learning how to communicate your needs and learning how to communicate the support that you need around you is so important. So part of doing that is by, you know, having conversations with your significant other and asking for support within the, your own four walls of your home first. And once you have that foundation set, then it's setting boundaries with your clients and it's setting boundaries with, you know, even people that are your mentors that, that are coaching you sometimes too. Like if someone is saying something that doesn't feel in alignment with you, it's up to you to speak your truth and actually say what you're feeling and experiencing so that it should be a partnership together. And that's really the way that I view mentorship. So I hope that answers your question. 
It does. And oh my gosh. And you know, because we've had prior conversations, setting boundaries has been a big issue and has been huge for me. And so everything you've just spoken, I can 100% attest to. And sometimes we don't know who our clients, our soul clients or our ideal clients are until we experience the ones that are like, oh no, this is not right for me. But I think the other thing too is because I remember going through that and yes, there was a little bit of, yes, I need money or I want money. But I think part of it was this idea of, you know, growth is uncomfortable and this client will help grow me as a business owner. Like I remember, like I can exactly remember where I was on a walk thinking that about a particular client. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? I think it's going to be a struggle, but that's okay. Like this is good. This will be good for me. It'll be growth. And that was how I rationalized talking myself into doing business with this client. And really, it was not a great situation. But as a result of that person, as a result of that relationship, I just, I fully realized between that and working on Mother's Day, where I was like, that was the one day I didn't want to work and feeling resentful. You know, you talk about like, if you're having those feelings, that's a sign. So those two things really led me down this path of, I truly need to get boundaries in place. And I think sometimes given some of the coaching and the advice that we hear is, you know, over deliver, be of highest, you know, be of value. And I think we sometimes unintentionally take that a little too far without having those boundaries in place because you can still add massive value while having boundaries. So that's such a good point. You know, I think because we're, I think every entrepreneur, when they get into this space, at least every heart centered service based type of, you know, service oriented type of entrepreneur, like they truly do want to add value, be, you know, just be of service to others. And so I think that that's the basis, but then we kind of go a little too far and It doesn't have to be an either or. I think that's one of the biggest things that I've learned is that you don't have to give all of your value away. You can give a lot of value and have boundaries because man, like my practice after I put some of those boundaries in place, after I did some self-reflection and implemented a system that was going to help me serve my clients better my practice, like I felt more like a CEO after that. Exactly. Yes. It was such a, a huge moment for me. And I think, I think unintentionally, or I think sometimes we just get into this either or like you either have to be, you know, serving all the time or grinding, or you have to do this, or you have to feel aligned and follow this mystical path, or you're like super systems person. And I I don't think that's the case at all. I think that there's this beautiful dance between the two and you just have to like figure out like what the dance steps are sometimes. Mm, It's such a great way to put it. And that's exactly how I like to view it too. It's a dance. My teacher's master used to always say, are you dancing? Like if when in the moment of when you're feeling frustrated and you're not feeling joy and you're feeling upset or sad or resentful, are you dancing? Because you can take any 
any feeling that you have, any situation, and you can dance with it. You can find how to how to flow and, and alchemize it and transform it into a greater energy. And you hit the nail on the head, Emily, when you said when you were talking about over delivery, how can we over deliver when we're not even over full? Like our cups are empty, right? Like it's that notion of when you have an empty cup, you're not going to be able to pour anything into anybody else's cup. But when your cup is overflowing and you're taking care of yourself and you're prioritizing your health, your mental well-being, your physical well-being, your spiritual well-being, then you're overflowing. Doesn't that make sense that you would over-deliver in that case? And so for me, when I work with anyone, when I'm hiring people for my team, when I am hiring mentors, I'm very intentional about asking questions to understand if they have boundaries or if they don't. And when they have boundaries, I see their commitment and their intention and their purpose to what it is that they're doing. And when they don't have boundaries, I, it's not a container that I would want to entertain because I've done that in the past and it just, it just makes things very messy and the energy exchange actually ends up not being equal. And so I think it's very important that you have boundaries. And for me as a business owner, I respect people that have boundaries because it just means that they're going to be more intentional about their time with me and about our time together. So it's the same thing that I do with my clients. And I think that, you know, we have such a bad, I think boundaries have such a bad rap, but boundaries are beautiful. And the more that we can set them in our lives and not in a cold and rigid way, like it gets to be such a beautiful conversation starter, right? Like, you know, for example, I'll give an example yesterday morning, I, so we had just moved down from upstate New York to Florida and my Beyonce and I are staying in this condo and every single morning we get up to take our, our Brody out to go to the bathroom. Brody is my, my puppy, my little cockapoo. And we typically will do that right away. But I was telling Zach that I was going to wake up earlier than when we normally wake up so that I could prioritize my meditation practice. And I communicated to him in advance to say, Hey, like I'm committing to meditating at 6am in the morning. Now that we're in a rhythm and a routine, like this is how I'm going to do it here. And then afterwards I'll go for a walk with you and Birdie. And it just starts off by having that communication and letting people know what you're doing and why it's important to you. And if you get pushback for it, then it's up to you to stand rooted in your truth and also use it as an opportunity to have a conversation. So if Zach were to say to me, why do you have to meditate at you know 6 a.m.? Like, why, why can't I wake up at 6 a.m. with you too? And we can take Brody for a walk or something. And then I would say, you know, it's really important to me that I spend this time with myself because you know how much like time to myself is for me to get grounded and to go deeper into my practices. And as soon as I'm done, then I'll go for a walk with you and Brody. Would that be okay with you? Like what, what comes up for you there? And I can give him that opportunity to share what he has to say. And we can continue to talk about it until we both come to a mutual agreement, but I'm not going to change my commitments to myself simply because he wants to wants me to go at that time. You know what I mean? So I think it's important that 
we learn how to communicate with our loved ones. And for Zach and I, it's something that we do all the time. And my relationship with him being my divine partner has helped me to strengthen my boundaries even more because he is a mirror for me. And we do a really great job at communicating with each other, our needs, and we're able to now respect each other's boundaries because of it. And this will play a really huge role in your business because everything is connected and what you do within your own four walls, it's going to leak into your business if you don't pay attention to it at the very start. So having that conversation is is what's going to help. I love that. And I also love what you said about having conversations with coaches that you hire. I think a lot of times, especially when we're first starting out, we think of us being the student and learning from this person who's achieved more, had other success, however they define it. And sometimes I don't think we put ourselves in that role as partner or as like interviewing them just as much as they're interviewing us in terms of whether it's a good fit. And I think that would go a really long way to have really productive coaching relationships because otherwise it can be tough. So Sandy, I want to respect your time. I could actually talk to you forever because I have like three other questions I want to ask. I think, I think I know the answer to this one based on our conversation, but what is one actionable step that an entry-level entrepreneur should do to help them step into their leadership? Mm. The first thing that comes up for me would be to start a meditation practice. Like, I think that meditation overall has helped me profoundly. It is the foundation and the blueprint to everything that I do. And it's a constant practice. And that's why it's called that meditation isn't what you think it is. It's not just sitting down and silencing your thoughts. It's a practice of re-engineering the program of your mind. And so our minds are very much like a software, just like our MacBook pros. Like we have an OS system an operating system. We also have operating systems within our own mind. And sometimes the operating systems that we have are very outdated. And so part of growing as a leader and evolving as a leader and embodying our high highest expression is looking at some of those operating systems and the practice of meditation helps you to do that. Now, if you are just, just, just beginning the way that I would teach meditation to anyone that has like never done meditation before, and it's really hard for them where I would start with, with you specifically is to ask you to focus on what you love Because when you focus on doing what you love, whether it's having sex with your partner, whether it's singing, whether it's painting, whatever it is that you love, when you focus all of your energy in there, you're not thinking about anything else. You're just deep in that moment. And time doesn't even exist anymore. When you do more of that, you're actually helping your mind to become more centered and focus and balance and harmonize. And then once you graduate from that level of meditation, and I would say that's a very, very, very beginner level, then you could get into a one minute meditation practice. So there's a very systematic way that I teach to do that, but it's a simple you know, as paying attention to your breath for one whole minute. And then there's higher levels of meditation as you begin to deepen it, to grow with your level of leadership. But the way that I teach it is through three different levels of consciousness, the unconscious mind, the conscious mind, and the super conscious mind. So we have to start from the unconscious mind to eventually get to the super conscious state, which is what 
a lot of the masters and yogis have experienced, you know, in, in this lifetime that we probably have never even heard about. So those are the, the different ways, but I would highly recommend starting a meditation practice. It's a game changer. All right. I love that. I thought you were going to say prioritize your energy. <laughs> I said that a lot. I know. <laughs> Right. I do that a lot, but actually meditation is exactly how you prioritize your energy. It's how, it's how I do it. And it's how I recommend that everyone does it as well. Oh, thanks for that tie. Okay. So Sandy, where can people find with you? How do they work with you? Spill all the goods on that so we can make sure people connect with you. Yes. I would love to connect with you. So you can find me on Instagram. My Instagram is at I Sandy I'm sharing a lot of different types of content there that just bring you back to trusting your own inner wisdom. And I really view myself as a mirror for you. So it's not to tell you what to do, but it's to guide you and to ask you questions and to help you find that within yourself. And that's really my style of mentorship in general. And if you want to enroll into my leadership program, it's called Prosperous School of Self-Realization. And it's a 90-day leadership container to elevate you into higher levels of consciousness, embodiment, and expression. So it's all about undoing so that you can get back to the root and truth of who you are and allow that presence to come out in the world. And we do different mind, body, spiritual practices to help you to achieve that. So it's a lot of integration that is involved there. It's not something that you just join and listen and like consume more information, but it's actually an integration that you'll walk away with. And you can find that on www.sandyvo.com forward slash prosperous dash school. So that's www.sandyvo.com forward slash prosperous dash school. Well, and I'll make sure to put those in the show notes as well. So that way it's easy for folks. Sandy, thank you so much for being here on the podcast and also for supporting me both in an official capacity as a coach, but then unofficially where I see you as an example of somebody who really works in an aligned way and I think is a really great example for people. So thank you for kind of leading the way without like officially being a mentor and all the time, because I think that that's really important to have examples. So thank you so much. Thank you so much, Emily. And thank you for having me on this podcast and doing what you do. I think you're a great example for more people to follow their dreams and do the thing that they love, even if it's scary, even if they have doubts to fully live in that purpose. So you are a beautiful example of that. Oh, thank you. All right, Sandy, thanks so much and have a great day, you all. Thank you for spending your time listening today. It would mean the world to me if you screenshot this episode and tag me on social media at Emily Kuhn and share a takeaway. And as my kids would say, smash that subscribe button and leave the show a five-star review so that the guests and I can share the strategies and actionable steps with entry-level entrepreneurs everywhere. Thanks for listening.